Alexander the Great, that amazing Macedonian general who died at the young age of 33 back in 323 B.C., began his great conquest in 334 B.C. And as he left and as his followers left with him, they did have cartographers with them, map makers who had made maps as best they knew. And so they had maps as they went along at least as far as Asia Minor. And then they got to the eastern end of Asia Minor and kept going, and there was nothing about that on the map. They didn't know what was going to happen, where they were going to go. He literally marched them off the map. And they went so far, as you know, uh, he wound up taking his followers to the Himalayas, all the way to the Indus River. But he marched them all the way off the map. Well, you can see where that applies to us in a way where when Christ calls us, he calls you and me to march off the map. In a way, we did that last year as we marched out of our comfort zones and lived by that which was our theme, which is, let's do it one more time, the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. And yet it still has application for you and me even now as we embark on this year together. In fact, it's probably speaking to you personally in some way in terms of marching off the map. There is something in your life that you're needing to make into a new chapter. It could be something personal. It could be something emotional or financial. It could be something professional. It could be some kind of rut that you've been in or some kind of trial you're facing, some physical difficulty you've been going through. Whatever it might be, there is some part of your life even now where God is saying, you know what, it's time to saddle up and move on, look ahead and act upon that and get moving. And that's really the challenge for us. It was the challenge for Joshua. He was being told to press on and move ahead. This is really one of the more significant points in all of Old Testament history. Moses, that great leader of leaders, has died. And Joshua has to assume the mantle of becoming the new leader. And God tells him, it's time to step up to the plate. And you're now in charge and you've got to move them ahead. Literally cross the Jordan River and get into this new transitory place as you move them toward the promised land. Well, in our passage that Lyle read just a moment ago, God is telling Joshua to press on in this new chapter of life. And it's really telling you and me to do the same. And fortunately, it's also helping us to see how we do that. You might be at a point with some kind of rut you've been going through, and you know you need to turn over a new leaf and move on ahead. But how do I go about it? And you really find here in the Word of God some ways that help you. First of all, you've got to press on by seizing the moment now seizing the moment of this new chapter. Let me read verses 1 and 2, and if you want, you can read along with me. It reads, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, remember those two words there, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Now, he says Moses is dead. Now then, now in the Hebrew, that is one word, and it's an intense, urgent word. As one biblical scholar has said, this is a word that is packed with a sense of urgent newness. Urgent newness. It's time to do something new, and God's inviting you to perceive an urgent newness in something in your own life. You've got to seize the moment and really press on with that. You've got to seize the moment now, given the brevity of life. Some folks realize the importance of of moving on and seizing the day than others. Recently, and I just love this interview, I read an interview 
with the person who was the oldest known human being alive. The guy doing the interview was Clark Cawthorn, and he was interviewing Jeannie Kalmet, the oldest living human who could be verified. He interviewed her on her 120th birthday, and she obviously was a spry woman with, with still a lot of wit. His very first question to her in the interview was, Miss Calmet, describe your vision for the future, to which she responded dryly, very brief, which I thought was great. I just love that. But she paused and then with a twinkle in her eye went on and said, and that's how you should live it. <laughs> great words from a 120-year-old woman. That was great. Very brief, and that's how you should live it. You know, claim the brevity of your life. So seize this day and the days to come as an incredible grace, an incredible gift. And commit to it in a way that you are all in. Now, the, 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 the verse that I read right at the beginning when we entered into the discipline of silence, and if you've got a Bible, you want, want to flip a page, over to Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. This is right when they are at the cusp of crossing over the River Jordan. This is really, you know, he's been talking to them about, hey, it's time to move on toward the promised land, but now they're about to act upon it. This really is graduation day. This is commencement. You're about to walk on across the Jordan River, okay? And what does he tell them to do? Verse 5 in chapter 3, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. In the Hebrew especially, consecrate means an act of total unreserved commitment. Come hell or high water, as we say, I'm all in. No matter what happens, and I don't know how it's all going to unpack, I don't know how it's all going to pan out, but I'm going to be all in no matter what. That is an act of consecration, being all in. Not worrying about what's going to happen, but seizing the moment and getting after it and making it count. And, and, and keep in mind that this is such a gift. You know, what are you going to do with your brief time henceforth? And what is that area in your life that you need to move into an, an urgent sense of newness? And as you do so, do you see the future as a grace in and of itself? I think sometimes we don't see that. I think sometimes we reinforce something that works, works against that even around New Year's where we make New Year's, what do we call them, resolutions. I'm not going to eat as much. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to break this bad habit. I'm going to talk to people more. I'm going to spend more time with this or that. And you make all these resolutions. But even though, you know, you, we make those and that's great and fine and noble, but we even look at those as chores, you know, have-tos, not get-tos. But really, when you think about it, in the grand scheme of things, in the life of faith, you know, every, everything we have, every moment we have in the future is such a grace. It is such a gift for you. It is definitely unmerited, definitely undeserved, but he offers it to us anyway. So I hope that even as we proceed in the future and as you personally proceed into the future in that new chapter that you know you need to write with God's help, that you see even the difficulties that you're facing as, as graces, as, as challenges to overcome, and not just mere chores. The future itself is a grace. So press on by seizing this moment. Really, this word from Joshua is making that clear. But there's another thing. As you press on, trust in God's word to guide you. Now, I know you, you're supposed to hear that from a preacher every once in a while anyway. But truly, that's what God is making clear to Joshua back in chapter 1. Keith sang a really cool song uh, in the first hour called Ancient Words. Has anybody heard that song before? Really cool song and just talking about, you know, trusting the ancient words of old because they still have application very directly to you and me today. Uh, earlier on, I talked about Alexander as he moved eastward all the way out of 
Asia Minor, and at that point he did not have a map, didn't know where he was heading. Well, let me, let me say to you, in a sense, you do. As you step off you know, into this unknown territory of this year and of this new chapter that you're needing to write, you do have a map. Now, it's not a geographical one, and it's not a step-by-step flow chart. It's not a strategic one, but you indeed have a spiritual map. In fact, multiple maps, if you engage all the spiritual disciplines or, or, or pick some of those really to follow during this year. But especially, the Word of God will indeed guide you. Now, this is not a magic book. It's not a horoscope. But, but through the cumulative experience you have of immersing yourself in God's Word every day, you have my Word and you have God's Word in God's Word that He will guide you in all the decisions that you have to make. But the challenge is really to give yourself over to it. Again, to consecrate yourself towards this book. Come what may, being dedicated to it no matter what. And that's really the means by which God says, Joshua, you're going to be successful, is by being and abiding in this. Look at verses 7 and 8, if you would, in chapter 1. What is the strategy here that he tells to Joshua? Be strong and very courageous. look, Look at all the verbs in this. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book. That means live with this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, do that, then you will be prosperous and successful. Again, note all the verbs there as relates to how you relate with the word of God. You obey it. You don't turn from it. You keep it. In other words, you live with it. You, you, you breathe it in a sense. Meditate on it daily. And finally, you do it. And and this really is an invitation for you and for me at the beginning of the year to take an honest, authentic inventory for just a second regarding how immersed we are in the Word of God in terms of, of, of looking to it for inspiration, for motivation, for encouragement, for guidance with wherever you might need to be going. So important to be trusting in God's Word and, and and listening to God's word and his guidance more so than other people. And and again, that's not a chore either. That's an incredible grace that you and I have. Sometimes Sometimes we listen to other voices too much. Not the voice of God, which may be quite silent, but again, in the cumulative, fruitful experience of our experience with the word of God, we're guaranteed guidance in that, but way too often we listen to other people. In that same article, by the way, with Jeannie Calmette, They interviewed a friend of hers who was 102 years old, just a youngster. Gladys Rivers is her name. And they asked her, her first question there, I would have loved to have met both of these women. She was asked, Miss Rivers, what are the benefits of living to the age of 102? And she thought for a minute and she said, no peer pressure, which I thought was great. And I think she had a point because sometimes we listen to other people's voices way too much instead of really the voice of God within ourselves and trusting when God is speaking to us within ourselves and letting that voice guide us more than others. Sometimes we listen to others too much. And, I, and I've got to tell you, it doesn't matter how smart or wise or insightful, uh, how many degrees a person has, no matter how, how specialized they are in a certain area, they are still flawed, <laughs> errant people. For example, I don't know if anybody has ever seen futurist magazines, but sometimes they come out with what's called the worst predictions of all time. Let me just offer a few of these. In 100 AD, 
The Roman engineer Julius Sextus Frontinius said, and I quote, inventions have long since reached their limit and I see no hope for further development. Okay, let's fast forward to uh, the Western world here. Well, first of all, in England, 1873, John Eric Erickson, surgeon to Queen Victoria. He said, the abdomen, the chest, and the brain will forever be shut from the intrusion of the wise and humane surgeon. Well, I think we still have surgeons who, uh, thank God, work on uh, those parts of the body each and every day. I like this one even better. We've got a lot of lawyers here. Uh, Junius Henry Brown, the journalist, in 1893 said this, the law will be simplified over the next century. Paul, uh, the law will be simplified over the next century, and he went on to say lawyers will, have di- lawyers will have diminished and their fees will have been vastly curtailed. Well, we know how that goes. Okay. 1895, Albert Einstein's teacher said to Einstein's father, it doesn't matter what he does, he will never amount to anything. 1949, computer scientist John von Neumann said this, it would appear we have reached the limits of what is possible to achieve with computer technology. 1949. 1954, uh, Secretary of State John Foster Dulles said, the Japanese don't make anything the people in the U.S. would want. A lot of Toyotas and Hondas right out there. Um, This is one I'm glad that didn't come to fruition. In 1955, the New York Times, Alex Lewitt, president of the Lewitt Vacuum Cleaner Company, said, and I quote, nuclear-powered vacuum cleaners will probably be a reality within 10 years. Thank God they're not. Uh, 1959, Arthur Summerfield, this is one of my favorites. Arthur Summerfield, he was the U.S. Postmaster General to the United States under President Eisenhower, and he said this, before man reaches the moon, your mail will be delivered within hours from New York to Australia by guided missiles. We stand on the threshold of rocket mail. Wow, okay. One more, Bob Metcalf in the magazine InfoWorld in 1995 said, I predict the internet will go spectacularly supernova and in 1996 will catastrophically collapse. Well, we know that didn't happen. What's my point with all this? Don't let your view of the future rest in mere mortal words and thoughts and forecasts, okay? Uh, They are always imperfect, wise and knowledgeable as one might be. The word of God is perfect, and there's that fabulous dynamic between your immersing yourself in this book each and every day and practicing other spiritual disciplines like prayer or fasting or meditation or whatever it might be. And in and through all that is the culmination of of fruit that comes along your way that really is the guidance that you need, the map that you need as you journey forward and move into something new in your life. Okay, I want to kind of shift it to, to more specifically to Brookwood church right here because i want to finally say that really the word of god here is telling us press on not just for yourself but also for this church this is really interesting about joshua one thing that's interesting about the book of joshua is the very first word in it uh, that you find in the hebrew i know your version might say something like after the death of moses the literal word in the hebrew for the book of joshua that begins the whole book is the word and (laughs) the conjunction and I've always found that fascinating. If you were to do a, a, a literal uh, translation of it, it would be, and after the death of Moses. And I found that significant because it's tied to the past as well as the future. It, it points backwards as well as forwards. And, and I love that. It points back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and Joseph and later on the, the slavery, the bondage, and, and then Moses leading them out of bondage. And, and then Moses dying, and then it leads to this moment, and then it points forward to Joshua leading them toward the promised land. And let me just offer up that and is our word today to, for Brookwood. We're kind of pointing back and pointing forward. We've had 
2012. We're moving into 2013. We've had that wonderful missions emphasis from last year, which we really engaged with so successfully, the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. And we are adding to that this year with this year's emphasis, and I'm beginning a series on it next week, called Covenant Community, Real People, Real Life, Real Love. Repeat after me. Covenant community. Covenant. Oh. Repeat after me. Covenant community. Covenant community. Okay. And then it's real people, real life, real love. With me. Real people, real life, real love. You're going to be hearing a lot about that in the next few weeks. And what it means to be an authentic family of faith. An authentic tribe that seeks to get out and engage the world and bring the world the grace of Christ. We're going to be talking about about that a whole lot and what it means to be real community i so appreciated what elizabeth said uh, in her grace along the journey talking about you know and i think that's one, one thing you and i can do this year is to really set aside more things or items or, or or issues that we're dealing with and just take time out to relate to people more and i think that's one thing he's going to be challenging you and me to do as as the tribe of brookwood in doing that this year and we're being challenged here, you know, to face all kinds of things. I mean, just like any year in any church full of wonderfully, wonderfully uh, amazing and, and important and dysfunctional people. Uh, we're we're going to go through great times this year. We will go through some challenging times as well. We will have some triumphs. We will have some defeats. We'll have victories. And we'll also have a lot of trials. That's a part of what it means to hammer out the life of faith as a corporate body. But what I really hope and pray is that in the end, we will all still be consecrated. We'll all still be on the field. Again, what did Joshua tell the people before they crossed the Jordan? Consecrate yourselves. In other words, be all in. Commit yourself fully. Unreserved commitment. Come hell or high water, I'm going to be there on the field. Which reminds me of something I saw this week. Did any of you see this picture? Go ahead and put it up there, Will. Anybody see this picture this week after the Sugar Bowl? Nobody saw it. Okay, good. Uh, this was the one game where I went non-SEC because I'm a Louisville native, and I just knew the Cardinals were going to win somehow, miraculously, and they did. But this was after the game, and, and this is a guy named Darren Kitchens. He's a junior at the University of Florida. And as you might know, they were highly favored against Louisville, but they got kind of throttled by Louisville. I think it was 33 to 23, if I'm not mistaken. And this is a significant picture, and, and uh, the New York Times got hold of it, and I thought this was really cool because... Darren went over. Well, let me just say, it's a tradition with the University of Florida football team after every game to run over to where the band is and sing the fight song and then sing the alma mater together. It's just they always do that. Well, after this loss, which was difficult and embarrassing, humiliating for some of them, the rest of the players could not get off that field quickly enough, and they decided, I'm out of here. They were so disgusted, upset, angry, all that, that they just left. This one guy, Darren Kitchens, Nevertheless, ran over to where the band was, held his helmet high, and he sang, they said, with with gusto, just as loudly as he could, and sang the fight song and the alma mater. And I just found that so cool. What a great example of consistency and commitment. And we would say, consecration, come hell or high water, here I stand. And I think that's a beautiful picture. That, That is my hope for us this year as we learn more about what it means to be community, that no matter what comes along, we will all be on the field singing together. We will all be on the field sharing our commitment to one another and to our God as a corporate body. That is my hope, and that, is, that should be all of our dreams for that, as we are, in a sense, crossing over Jordan into a new chapter ourselves. Through thick and thin, you know, as we look to the future, as 
again, not as a have to, but as a get to. As we look to these, whatever it is in your life that you're needing to, to change over, to press on with, to do something new with, see that as a grace, even with the challenges that are going to come along, even with the setbacks. It's such a grace. It's such an incredible gift. It's nothing you deserve. It's nothing I deserve. But I hope and pray that we will just seize that for all that it is as a communal body of faith. With that, I'd like to enter into the discipline of meditation. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a minute. I'd like for us to do two things as we enter into this time of meditative silence and prayer. First of all, in what way do you need to press on? What new chapter in, you, in your life do you yearn for? What, what, what needs to change in your life today? If you, if you just, you know, through back the curtain before yourself and before God, what is it in your life that you need to improve upon? Some way that you need to commit yourself to being a more faithful Christ follower? Some, some way that you know God wants you to do something new? Whatever that would be, would you confess that to God and ask God to guide you and strengthen you as you move in this new direction? Will you do that right now? Secondly, I want you to commit yourself fully to God and just just pray a prayer of trust that you're going to be faithful to him, trusting that he will guide you in the days to come as you live in newness with him. Do that, a prayer of faithful commitment. And finally, let's move out from ourselves to the church body, this church family, the tribe of Brookwood as a church body, let's spend a moment in shared prayer for our family of faith. Take a moment and pray for Brookwood as, as we collectively, as we together commit to being the authentic community that God wants us to be together. Do that if you would. Lord, help us to consecrate ourselves. Help us to be all in on this venture, this journey of faith together. May we be fully committed to one another and be the community of faith you want us to be. And we also ask that you give us the strength that we need in that area of our life that, that maybe only you know about, maybe in some dark corner of our life that we don't like to talk about. But whatever it might be, oh God, we commit that to you as well and confess our need for you, confess our need for you to help us with whatever that is that we need to break out of and break into a new life a new pattern, a new rhythm. So Lord, we commit ourselves, give ourselves over to you as a consecrated people, committing ourselves to you all the more. We pray these things in your name. Amen.